Hey, podcast listeners, before we get started, if the IRS is freaking you out right now and you want to do something about it, you can call me at 833-243-5455 and set up a free 30-minute consultation or log on to watkinspodcast.com. I've got a short letter on that No Frills page. It'll take you about 90 seconds to read. And if you like what I'm saying, you might want to consider becoming a client. And if not, hey, no big deal. Keep listening and subscribe to this podcast so you can keep hearing the free content on how you can fix your tax problem today. So if you owe the IRS, you may have noticed that they have been pretty active lately filing a bunch of liens. And this is the IRS's way of letting the world know that you have a tax problem. These liens are also pretty nasty if you're trying to sell your home or refi to a lower interest rate. It's a pretty extreme measure at the IRS, and it means they want all the money that you owe them, and they want it right now. But there are a few things you can do to get these things lifted short of paying everything that you owe right now. For example, if you owe less than $25,000, a tax professional may be able to get these lifted in about 90 days. If you owe more than $25,000, there are things like the IRS's Offer and Compromise Settlement Program that gets them off once they accept that. Now, we've helped thousands of taxpayers in an IRS mess, so we can probably help you out here too. We can help you out in all 50 states. So if you have a tax problem, I again encourage you to call me at 833-243-5455 or log on to watkinspodcast.com and set up a time there to talk to one of our tax experts about getting some help today. Now, back to your podcast. IRS problems are scary, but they don't have to be. Travis Watkins has been helping troubled taxpayers with customized plans to negotiate with the IRS and stop immediate threats to their livelihood so they can get a good night's sleep again since 1999. Now, here's Travis. Things to do if you disagree with what the IRS has to say about your tax issues. In other words, talking about IRS appeal and uh, appellate matters there. And that's kind of the cool thing about uh, the IRS. If there is a cool thing about the IRS, it's that if you disagree with something, you can take it up to the next level, often several times, if you don't like what they're telling you there. But it is an art. There are some things that you need to know in how to do these things. So let's just uh, get cracking right at it. Um, There's several different types of appeals that we'll be talking about here today. And uh, they are things that you can do yourself. You don't necessarily have to have an attorney per se, but if you don't want to do these things yourself or you've, you've already tried something with the IRS, like an offer and compromise, you might think about getting a tax professional that works with the IRS every day on matters like these. So here are the things that you'll probably be running into if you uh, disagree with what the IRS has to say. First of all, um, a very common one is an appeal in an audit situation. In other words, you've been audited by the IRS. They have given you their findings. They may have also given you Um, a notice of determination that says that you've got like 90 days to go to tax court. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Typically, 
the IRS appeal for a audit situation is something short of or before they give you the final notice of determination of what your new tax bill is going to be if you disagree. Okay, so. The tricky thing with this deal is the IRS doesn't have forever to do an audit either. They have these things called uh, assessment statute expiration dates, or ASADs, that they've got to get their audits, they have to get any assessment of new taxes done by, and those are very difficult things to figure out without going into some real in-depth discussion and know-how on how to get the transcripts for these ASEDs. But just know this, that a lot of times if they take a long time to do a, an audit, they're going to ask you if you will extend their uh, deadlines, their expiration dates there, uh, so they can get those things finished up. Because a lot of times when they do take a long time, they may be cutting significantly or all the way into your appellate uh, rights. You have, the IRS has to have the uh, audit done and any appeal done within that ASED date, okay? So sometimes you may want to extend their time period, and this is way behind, beyond what we're talking about here today. I just want you to know that these things are available in the audit context. So definitely use the audit appeal um, the reason they don't, you know, they play pretty fast and loose and frustrate a lot of taxpayers in the audit situation beyond just the obvious is that they know that they can, that you, you, that you will still get an opportunity to take this to tax court if you disagree. Okay. So even if they just stuck you with a notice of determination without you even getting a chance to argue with them about it, which would be rare. They will usually talk with you about the audit and give you a chance to an appeal in that process. But even if they don't, you'd still get 90 days to take this to tax court if you disagreed with the final notice of determination, the final audit there. Okay, that's appeals in the audit context. The next one is a really big category. It's the collection appeal. You file this one on Form 12153, and I'll go through that here with you. Um, okay, this is the Form 12153, Request for Collection Due Process or Equivalent Hearing. And this is a form to request this CDP, they call it, or Equivalent Hearing with the IRS Office of Appeals if you've been issued one of the following lien or levy notices. Notice of a federal tax lien filing and your right to a hearing under IRC 6320. That one's going to be, you're not going to do that one very often. Notice of intent to levy and notice of your right to a hearing. That's a huge one. So how this happens is they send you a final notice of intent to levy. Typically that's on a, a it's a letter called 1058-1058, final notice of intent to levy. That's when you would be um, doing this type of form to get a collection due process hearing. What it does, it's great because it stops collection um, while they have this hearing. And the fact that you can stop collection is a huge deal in this process uh, because they may be coming right down the pipe with one of these levies, taking 
money out of your bank account or your wages. So you can stop that process or your power of attorney can stop that process by filing this little form right here. Uh, you give them your telephone number, your all your identifiers. Uh, if it's a joint return, a second taxpayer there, they'll give you a place there to, where do you want them to call you? Um, and when you file this thing, they'll send you a letter typically saying what time they will call you and have this hearing so that um, everybody's on the same page on that. You have to list what types of tax, income, employment are the big ones, sometimes civil penalties. 6672 is a big one that occurs for the tax, uh, the uh, trust fund recovery penalty for employment tax and you list the form number you take these off of your notices like they say here attach a copy of the notice tax period or periods put that in there um, tell them if you're uh, appealing here from a pro proposed levy or actual levy so they'll even do proposed levy that's when they send you a 1058 final notice that you've got 30 days to file this thing before a levy will come down and that's the only way to stop a, um, a, a levy or other proposed collection activity by the IRS from coming down. All right. Sometimes, as I mentioned, you can do a, a appeal of a filed notice of federal tax lien. Uh, you rarely win those things. Uh, part seven here, the equivalent hearing is a very important one. Always check this box because if you are for some reason not within that 30 days of when they file a um, final notice of intent to levy on you, you can still have an equivalent hearing, all right? And they're the exact same hearing as a collection due process hearing. The only difference is that with the equivalent hearing, um, you, can, you can request those up to one year from the date of the uh, final notice of intent to levy. It's cool because it um, does not stop the collection statute expiration date or the IRS's statute of limitations from running. A collection due process hearing does stop the, the deadlines from running against the IRS, their statute of limitations. But this equivalency hearing does not do that. And the reason it does not do that is because it's within the IRS's discretion if you're outside of 30 days from the final notice of intent to levy, up to one year from the final notice of intent to levy. If you file this in that period of time, in other words, you didn't make the deadline to have a collection due process hearing, then it is within the IRS's discretion. In other words, you don't get it as of right to this type of uh, hearing to have collection stop. Okay, that's very important. So if you're within 30 days, you make the request, collection stops, you wait until you have your, uh, your collection due process hearing. And generally speaking, some more time and <laughs> beyond that, uh, that they'll stop collection. If you're outside the 30 days within one year, uh, it's within their discretion whether or not they're going to stop uh, levy activity, okay? Hey podcast, quick interruption here. Have you been up at 2 a.m. worrying about your IRS problem again lately? You know, IRS problems have a way of ruining all aspects of your life. 
that take a toll on you financially, physically, and emotionally. You can never really forget about them as they come back every morning when you wake up. It's time to call Travis Watkins Tax Resolution and Accounting Firm right now and start sleeping again tonight. Travis Watkins Tax will talk to the IRS for you and help you get the best deal available for your unique situation with the IRS with programs like the Fresh Start Initiative and the IRS's Offer and Compromise. Call me at 833-243-5455 and set up a free 30-minute consultation or log on to watkinspodcast.com. I've got a short letter on that No Frills page. It'll take you about 90 seconds to read. And if you like what I'm saying, you might want to consider becoming a client. And if not, no big deal. Just keep listening and subscribe to this podcast so you can keep hearing the free content that we offer on how you can fix your tax problem today. Now, if you call us in the next 30 minutes, we'll also send you our free confidential insider report, How to End IRS Problems Forever. That number again is 833-243-5455 or log on to watkinspodcast.com. Now back to your podcast. If it's a lien, you check the box on what is most um, applicable there. You sign this thing. Um, Also, one other thing. If it's innocent spouse relief, you can check the reason there. Um, You also uh, must provide a reason for the dispute of your request for a CDP CDP hearing. You can list anything in here. Um, I'm exploring an offer and compromise. I I have hired a tax professional. I am um, contemplating or, or working on documentation to present uh, for an installment agreement, you know anything that you um, would be seeking at this appeal, um, because the appeal is going to cover a couple of different things. First of all, it's going to cover whether or not you owe the tax, and 99% of the time, it's going to be a yes that you do owe the tax. Second order of business at the collection due process hearing is: is there an alternative to the proposed collection activity? So it's a great place to get in there and ask for some alternative relief like an offer and compromise like we've been over before. All right, gotta sign the thing and um, send it off to the IRS to uh, either stop the collection activity or um, ask for this equivalency here. And uh, talk a little bit more about these other types of um, appeals. First of all, let me say, I don't think enough people use these types of appeals, mainly because uh, your run-of-the-mill taxpayer doesn't know that these things even exist. In other words, they'll take the IRS's word for it in in a lot of cases and just say, okay, uh, you know, my offer of compromise didn't work, so uh, I'll just get on to to the next thing. And it really is in your best interest to to explore uh, an appeal if you disagree with something. Of course, if you want a professional to do this stuff for you, then you definitely, this is a, a place where you should, and you should be looking for an outfit that works with the IRS day in, day out, works with the IRS appeals office. All right, back to what we were talking about, uh, different types of appeals. The next one is the collection um, appeals process, the CAP hearing. 
um, is the next one. It's for it's filed on a uh, form nine four two three. It's a collection appeal request form, and uh, I'll just uh, you can Google that one. Uh, it's collection appeal request form. It's real easy. It's just a place marker, and what happens there is the IRS will call you back in um, uh, two to five business days to have a real quick um, collection hearing. You will have to talk to the group manager there of whichever place at the IRS that you're uh, dealing with at the time. So know that you're gonna have to do that. But this is for really any type of collection action. It doesn't matter if they've filed a final notice of intent to levy or not. If you disagree with anything that the IRS is saying, you can politely ask them for the group manager and tell them that you want to file a cap appeal and uh, file it on that form 9423. All right. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about is the appeals process. Um, some of these things that I've mentioned here, different types of tax relief denials, also carry with them tax court rights. So just know that sometimes the uh, you can take these things up to tax court. I don't recommend that you ever do this type uh, on your own. Uh, you, you really need to have someone who uh, is admitted to go to tax court there. You can do that. However, that's I would say tax court is a place where a lot of people go to lose. I mean, the, the standard there is abuse of discretion. In other words, uh, if you can prove that the IRS personnel that was denying whatever request was just simply having a really bad day or they're off their rocker, they've abused their discretion in some way, that's the only way you're going to win in most of those situations. But know that it's out there on some things that you can take, the, take an appeal up to tax court. All right. The next type is type of appeal is the offer and compromise appeal. And this is the one that we do the most, I would say. When you have a offer and compromise that you've submitted to the IRS, they have um, they have reviewed it and they have denied it, then you can take these things up to the next level. Now let me say the IRS will often return offers and compromise. And what that means is you didn't pay your tax uh, along the way. You have to pay quarterlies while you're uh, having a pending offer and compromise. And if you don't do that, the IRS will just return your offer and compromise. And that prevents you from taking this up on appeal. There's nothing to appeal. There's no final denial of the offer and compromise in that scenario. They have just sent it back to you and said, oh, sorry, you didn't file your uh, quarterly taxes or pay your quarterly taxes along the way there. And typically they'll give you some real grace there to uh, make up the difference. They'll notify you and they'll say, hey, you better pay your quarterlies by next week or we're going to kick this thing back to you and you won't have any appeal rights. Okay. But if they do, if you do pay your quarterlies along the way, if you're required to do that, you submit a good offer and compromise and they just plain say, shucks, well, no way. Uh, we're denying this thing. Most of the time, they'll just send it right along to appeals. I have had offer examiners when they're real busy, which they're all real busy, I should say. There's tons of these things getting filed all the time. Sometimes they'll just send you a denial letter and say uh, your appeals 
person will be calling you soon <laughs> on this, all right? But uh, know that when you do have a, a formal denial from the IRS you will on an offer compromise, you will get an opportunity to go over this with an appeals person and uh, you get that second bite of the apple on your offer and compromise. Next type of appeal I want to talk about is the trust fund recovery penalty. This is for payroll taxes when the IRS uh, assesses a trust fund recovery penalty against the responsible persons. We've talked about that on previous videos. Then you can appeal that. Um, this one can be an important type of an appeal. Um, what you're looking at there is you're trying to convince the IRS that you are should not be held personally responsible for a portion of the payroll tax because you're not a responsible person under the meaning of the Internal Revenue Code and the standard there um, for the trust fund recovery penalty getting assessed is willful and voluntary and that's what you would be arguing there that uh, my withholding of the uh, tax for my employees was not uh, it, it was not within my duties uh, it was not willful and it was not a voluntary uh, deal there so don't hold me liable for that so you have 60 days from the time that the IRS sends out the assessment uh, of trust fund recovery penalty against you personally okay so we'll do this sometimes if there's a bunch of people getting assessed because it it first of all buys our client uh, a lot of time there while they uh, review the uh, assessment against that individual and sometimes they'll start collecting against the ones that haven't have not uh, appealed uh, that that it's clear that they are willful and voluntary responsible persons. They'll go after, as we've talked about before, jointly and severally a bunch of different people sometimes that are within an organization, within a company, so that they get their biggest bang for their buck and leverage the most uh, tax their collection that they can. Okay. Next type of uh, appeal, this isn't really a true appeal, but it is available to you nonetheless, a 911 form. And what that is, <laughs> it's uh, just like it sounds, it's an emergency. It's going to the Taxpayer Advocate Service. The, the TAS is the, for lack of a better analogy, the um, they are a, like a public defender at the IRS. They're very busy folks as well, but they have a lot of power to jump in there and see a lot of different things that not even a tax professional can see in many cases. But um, And we'll call them from time to time also to uh, break up a log jam in the process here. So that's a good way to do things and they will take cases from time to time and uh, investigate further and possibly buy the taxpayer some more time in the process here if there's you know something that you couldn't otherwise get accomplished within the IRS. The TAS, the Taxpayer Advocate, is an arm of the IRS. However, you do have to remember that. So um, 
you, you take that at face value, but they are very helpful in getting some things done there that you couldn't otherwise do on your own. And you should definitely at least give them a shot to, to try to break up your log jam for you there as well. All right.